You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Good evening. Welcome to Love Logical DNA Not Required. This is Michelle L. Anderson coming to you live from Podcast Detroit Royal Oak Studios. We are looking forward to intriguing and entertaining you every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Let me start today's show by saying thank you for joining our family, which is biological by nature, love logical by choice, DNA not required. Well, hello, 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 everyone. This is Michelle L. Anderson coming to you tonight. Would like to say we miss you. Last week, um, I was in the process of starting this um this this crazy move this is the longest that it's ever taken me to move anywhere and it has been it's been very interesting that's all i can say it's been interesting so when you see me you know i'm all disheveled and everything all natural and stuff but this is me hi (laughs) (laughs) you have to accept what you get you got to take me as is because if you love me it doesn't matter anyway. So we are here tonight with a wonderful woman. And do you use your full hyphenated yes. name? Okay. I'm going to try this from memory because I am not a name person. Dawn, I want to say Wilson. It's not Jones, is it? Clark. Clark. Where did I get Jones I from? We're we going to talk about when we get home. <laughs> We're going to find out who the Jones character is. <laughs> oh, wait. Don Wilson Clark. Don Wilson Clark. And I met Don for the first time over at a meeting for the Brightmore community. And she is a trauma specialist. And you know Torlise as well, Torlise Anderson, and who is my aunt. Hello, Torlise. I know you're going to be watching this one. As well as it's like things things continue to come around. They continue to come around. Your name comes up a lot because Dawn is very humble, very, very humble, but she is truly a trauma specialist. You are. You keep saying that. You are. <laughs> you have to you have to own it. You have to accept it. It's not too many people out here that's doing trauma learning classes, eight classes, and you've put a lot of this material together. Am I correct? With the help of some very special people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. With the help of some very special people. Yes. And thank you, very special people. We appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs> and and Mr. Jones. No, I'm just joking. Mr. Clark. <laughs> she got jokes. Mr. Clark, you want to introduce yourself? My name is Jonathan Clark, and I'm the husband of this trauma specialist (laughs) expert guru. Yes. She is the bomb.com, and I'm just thankful to be on this journey and this work with her. Oh, man. He trying to get some goodies. Got that right. (laughs) My husband first. I know that's hey, I, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. This is it's awesome when you see that love come together. Mm-hmm. It's it's really awesome. And you could definitely see the love between the two here. Now Dawn has started a organization. No. Dawn and, and some very special people. I haven't started it. 
So just let me okay. Give let me let, let give me give me the intro. So then. I work with a group called Four Eight Two Forward. Mm-hmm. We are um, education organizers, mm-hmm. and how we do our work is we have action teams throughout the city. Mm-hmm. I currently lead the Beat, Beat team, team. Yes, Beat which team stands leader. for Brightmore Education Action Team. Mm-hmm. And how we work is we listen to the community to find out what the biggest barrier to education is. And so this is our second campaign. Our first campaign was our first campaign was mm-hmm. present in Brightmore mm-hmm. where we were addressing chronic absenteeism. And so through this la- this last listening cycle, we heard that trauma was our biggest barrier to education. And so during our research, we found that the trauma trainer, mm-hmm. the actual expert mm-hmm. that works for the state lives not too far from our community. And so we reached out to her and we asked her if she would help us to mm-hmm. learn about trauma and also the community leaders and school leaders in our community. And she agreed. And so we reached out to the school leaders and um, we had a celebration for them, actually. Mm. Last year, this day. Yes. Okay. And um, we told them what we found, you know, out in our neighborhood. I also shared a personal traumatic story. So maybe because I've gone through so much trauma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why y'all saying that. But um, shared with the educators the importance of them being trauma-informed because they, you just never know. When I came to, um, when I came to that session, the first session mm-hmm. for in the Brightmore community, I was impressed with how many people showed up from all over metropolitan Detroit. And I was looking so forward to being a part of that team. And Tuesday nights was the night that was selected that worked for everyone, and it's my podcast night. So I ended up not being able to come. But I have a co-host now, so I have already put some things on my calendar because I'm really looking forward to coming and being a part of because trauma is is much needed within with all of our communities. It's needed it, trauma education, trauma learning is needed throughout the United States because there are so many people who don't recognize the signs, the symptoms of trauma in others, but also within themselves. Yeah. You know, you, you talked about the love that mm-hmm. you see between my husband and I, and that's real. But I was married for eight years to a man who was unloving and unkind and abusive, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and he was a minister. Mm-hmm. And... For eight years, I lived in Brightmore, and I could not see anything past what was going on in my house. And the crazy part about that, I was performing every single weekend as Cuddles the Hip Hop Clown. So I'm going out making people happy and coming home crying myself to sleep at night. You know, a lot of, and you know, and, and I understand how that happens because it's a mask that a lot of us wear, you know, because I am a survivor of domestic abuse as well. Mm. And it's a mask that we wear. 
but and we learn how to function outside of the home mm-hmm. but it's in it's it's at home that you have the tendency to to break down yeah you know and it's it's amazing yes i said that out loud on the radio so but i was um i was 21 years old i was 21 years old and it was some very traumatic things that happened during that time you know and i've i've thought about it i've talked about it i have talked to young girls at colleges um back when i was younger to help them i have helped people get out of their homes when they were afraid they didn't know what to do i have helped them find a way to get out by talking to them am i a specialist nope i'm just me right I'm just me. And that's part of the love logical in me because my mother instilled in my heart that we are all truly just one family. Mm. When you look at it, we're one world, one family. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you sit back and you think those of, those of you who believe in, you know, Adam and Eve, yep. that was the beginning. We're all one family in some way, shape, or form. When you do all of our DNA, it's going to all break down. To that source. Yes. You know, so that's, guys, this is why I wanted to have Dawn here. And she's here today and next week, too, (laughs) because I knew this was going to be deep. I really did. And Dawn, let's, let's explain to my audience what is trauma? What 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 what's classified as trauma in its in its simplest form? Okay, so what we've been looking at is the ACEs, mm-hmm. the adverse childhood experiences. Okay, and they are uh, they encompass abuse, um, mental, physical, mm-hmm. mental, physical, sexual abuse. Sit back until you can oh. relax. We're gonna let her relax, y'all. Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, um, 10 questionnaire, 10, Mm -hmm. uh, it has 10 questions on it. And if you answer yes to at least six of those questions, then the likeliness of you committing suicide goes up. The likeliness of you having heart disease goes Mm -hmm. up. All types of sicknesses and illnesses are, you are at risk if you have experienced childhood, um, adverse childhood experiences. And so, but there is, that's not the end. Okay. Resilience is what we're pushing for. So we, everybody has experienced something. Mm-hmm. Everybody, especially if you are living in the city of Detroit, you have trauma. Any major metropolitan city, really. Right. Any major metropolitan city and not just... Um, not just your chocolate cities. That's right. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yes. And you know, I read a report, uh, or article a while ago where it talked about, um, soldiers that have gone to war and have PTSD. The children are, um, that are attending schools in Detroit are experiencing the same type and even more of the trauma that they've experienced. That's deep. So mm-hmm. there's there's uh, there's an equivalence to 
our children in the DPS system and a a a, a war a veteran war veteran, which my husband is. Well, thank you very much. Well, what branch? The army. Okay, I forgive you. But <laughs> I was about to no. forgive Hold you. Hold on, wait a minute. No. I'm an army girl too. My father actually was an army man. My son, okay. uh, my son, navy. Yes. Okay. Well, we forgive yeah. him. <laughs> but I, I'm floored that there is there is that equivalency between a DPS student and a veteran. Or, or someone has been has been a so that's veteran. Right, right, so right. Ex- I, I don't understand. Ex- can you explain so that a little bit? The the lack of of um, quality in education. Let's okay. we can even start there. Yes. I mean, no one should have to go to school that has mold, that has rats that had that's too hot in the winter and too cold in the summer. Did yeah. I say that right? Yes, you okay. did. Yeah. Well, no, the opposite. Y'all yeah. know what I mean. But we know. Yeah. But I mean, so like schools closing. One of my um, members, she's a a team on mm-hmm. one of my teams. Her daughter's school closed. Oh, two weeks after it started, and she was supposed to graduate. So she had to. Her mother had to find a place for her baby to graduate from. That happened this year on the east side of Detroit. Nope, in no. Midtown. In Midtown, I know um, my cousins had a situation to where they didn't have teachers in some of their classes in mm-hmm. Detroit, mm-hmm. and they were teaching themselves. Yes, they were. They were literally self-taught. Yes, until the parents took them out and put them in another school. Yes, and I was surprised to hear that. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised. I have five children, and they have gone to twenty-seven different schools. Trying to find quality education and have been traumatized at each of those schools. So, like one school, my daughter, this I I was so done with this school when mm-hmm. we first started. Okay, but because she wanted to go to this school and she was had been the all A student all her life, I said, you know what, I'm gonna let you do this. Okay, and we were at this school. From 7th grade to 10th grade, and they had five principals. Five principals. 7th grade to 10th grade, five principals. Yep. So four years, they had five principals. And when we finally left, they were getting another principal. Um, one of her teachers, they fired one of her teachers. She came out in the class and was just crying. And this, the C, this, this, this was a charter school she was going mm-hmm. to. The CEO of the um, management company said to my baby, what's wrong? And she said, I'm traumatized. She said, why are you traumatized? She said, because you fired my favorite teacher. And this woman just walked off and had nothing else to say. So our children are experiencing trauma that we didn't even think about. We no. always had, we always knew the school around the corner was the school we were going to go to. Mm-hmm. Yes, we knew, true. you know, yes. generations yes. of our families have attended certain schools. But it's not like that anymore. Schools are closing. Teachers are, I mean, my son who has, who's autistic, one year he had five teachers. In one class? In his self-contained classroom. So he's in a class with 12 students Mm -hmm. and five teachers ran through that school 
ran through that classroom. So the the students don't even they really don't get a chance to get to know their teachers, and the teachers really don't take the time or be there long enough to truly get to know their students. Right, and everybody's traumatized. And so in our learning, we um, learned about compassion fatigue and how these teachers and these caregivers um, are being traumatized again after, you know, they're in the situation and then to um, have to relive it there. It's just a cycle. So it's not just violence in the school. No, it's other things, because when you first mentioned trauma within the, the the major school systems within, you know, within our larger cities, the first thing I was thinking was violence. And I was thinking of the teachers not being able to teach because of lack of discipline. So those are the things that were going through my mind, because when we were younger, if there was an issue in the classroom, the teacher just snatched you up. Yep. (laughs) And paddled you. And right. And and they would paddle you Mm -hmm. in school. But your parents followed up Mm -hmm. when you got home, Mm -hmm. you know, and. We had teachers. I still remember, you know, teachers from when I was in kindergartner, kindergarten, being there even when I left the school in fifth grade, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's sad to yeah. think, number one, that that your children have been to 27 different schools. 27. And out of those 27, 10 of those schools are closed. So that's hard because if you're having problems at home, if you're having and then you're also having problems at school, mm-hmm. where do you go for peace? Right. Where do you go for peace? Because school is a refuge for some. Should be. Should be. For all. Yeah, should be for all. Mm-hmm. But but then you have home that would be a refuge for others. And if you have issues both. I feel sad for our kids. Yeah. So if you put that on top of the mental, physical, and sexual abuse. And let's not even think, let's not even talk, well, let's talk about the drive-bys. Let's talk about the gunshots. I was at a training earlier, and uh, one of the presenters talked about um, a seven, um, uh, seven-year-old and nine-year-old boys walking. Mm-hmm. They were by Sinai Grace, and one the seven year old, the nine year old said he just got shot, and the seven year old said, "No, he got killed." Look at all the bullet holes, and walked up to the car and started pointing and counting the bullet holes. So it, it didn't. He normalizes it. Yeah, that's didn't phase them. Mm-mm. Nope. That's sad, but. Me being a lay person, I am not a social worker. I am Phyllis's daughter who has a lot of experience in a lot of things. But my thoughts on that kind of goes back to a lot of our kids are raised off of television and video games and just just the news itself, you know, but... If a child, if an infant is laying in an infant seat and daddy and his friends are playing video games, they're hearing those gunshots. They're see, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're growing up 
with that just being a norm. Mm -hmm. And you're just going from the video games to reality. And then I've also read that sometimes that's why our kids are getting out here and going on more like a killing path because it's just a natural progression from them landing at infancy hearing those gunshots and things while the video games are being played because they don't they never really had a chance to learn the the difference between reality and fiction mm-hmm. because it's all skewed yep we wow. have lots of work to do we do we have a lot of work to do just raising children in today's world is hard it is my heart was broken when a young lady who is very dear to me, 21 years old, has made a decision that she does not want to have children because she doesn't want to bring them into this world. Mm, I work with somebody like that. Yeah. And she said it's becoming more of a norm mm-hmm. for our young adults because they the things that our kids are going through. And, I mean, you think about that. You live in a metropolitan city where your school system well, let's be clear. Mm-hmm. We are dead last in the state. So our school system is the worst in the in the whole United in States. The, Not just Detroit. In the whole United States. We are last in the country. In the country. Not only are we last in academics, we are last in funding growth. So we have not increased our funding growth like the other states have. Since the 70s. What does that mean? That means. Does anyone know why? Yes, we know why. Why? Because they want to keep the rich people rich. And the poor people poor. They want to privatize our system. I believe we have Betsy DeVos as the secretary of education. How is she the secretary of education? And our state is the worst. I will lose five. <laughs> if you talk about her. If you tell the truth. No. If you say what you was going to say, what you was thinking. If you speak your mind. I, <laughs> but, but really. Um, I try to stay neutral when it comes to some things. Mm-hmm. But that would almost be like this me being hired to work as a surgeon at the hospital. And I've never gone to med school. Right. It's the same thing. Right. You know, you can't. You can if you have money. No, but but <laughs> you shouldn't be able to. Right. You should not be able to be in a position like that. Right. When you don't truly have the experience necessary. And she has done nothing for our children, our inner city children. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's really not just Detroit. It's any major area where there's a higher concentration of minorities. Yep. I said that nice. You said that really nice. (laughs) (laughs) But we are last. We have not. um, So the the wealthy people in our state Mm -hmm. pay less. In income taxes. Yes. And so that has not helped us. Not at all. And, you know, the state had control over our particular school system for over 20 years. 
And I went, I was in Lansing a few years ago and, um, after they passed those bills to bring DPSCD back into our, our care. And one of the senators said, he talked about all of the, the principles, you know, where they were doing this and they were doing that. And I said, but you were watching them. You were supposed to be watching them. Why did you let them do that? Why? Yeah. Why didn't you hold them accountable? You know, why? Why are your hands in this? You know why? <laughs> because they wanted that money. You know, I um I attended a church in Troy, Michigan, and they did a paper drive for DPS. And I just happened to be there that Sunday um, visiting with the guest. With well, I was a guest, and the paper drive they collected reams and reams of of copy paper for DPS schools. But on top of that, they also they got lesson plans for the teachers, you know, and different things that I thought was a norm mm-hmm. in the school system. And to see the appreciation on the kids' faces, on the tears on the teachers' faces for school supplies that we take for granted. You know, when I lived in India when I lived in Indiana, each family paid a hundred and fifty dollars, a hundred to a hundred and fifty dollars at the beginning of the school year to help with the school supplies for the school. And family struggled to do it, but I think that that helped the schools be able to to maintain. You know, when you get a school supply list now, you're going to spend $200 easily. Yep. But my question is what happens to all of the school supplies that are brought at the beginning of the school year? Where do they go? Are you talking about school supplies that the district provides? To no, the that the parents are bringing in. Don't parents bring in school supplies? I do. We do. Yeah. You get a school supply list of things that you're supposed to bring. And, I mean, there's like reams of paper on there. There's a lot of different things that's on there. And my thing is, if you have over 30 students in the class and everybody's bringing all of that. Everybody's not bringing it. Okay. So what happens? What happens to the parents that that's not bringing, are unable to bring? What happens? Nothing? I don't know. Because the district used to provide paper. They used to provide pencils. They used to provide, you know, chalk. They provided lesson plans. They provided all these things. So they still do. I know lesson plans. Um, actually, one of my cousins is a teacher for um at Martin Luther King. Hey, Casey. Hi, Casey. <laughs> and what up, though, Casey? <laughs> you know you're my favorite. And she was sharing with, she was over this mm-hmm. past weekend. Mm-hmm. And was sharing with me the new curriculum that, okay. that they just received. And she says, oh, my goodness, it's very rigorous. That's good. Yeah, it is. Um, so 
So they they do that, and I'm I'm pleased to all of the schools though, because King is kind of above and beyond right now. They're a little yeah above the others. You haven't gotten to cast tech status yet though. <laughs> Are you a cast tech? Yes, my daughter will be graduating <laughs> in 2020 from. Look, you see where I said that? Well, yes, <laughs> of course. Where else would I graduate from? So yeah, um, so I'm 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 pretty sure that they provide what the children need. You know, I was my my baby goes to um, Northwestern, mm-hmm. and I was in the office one day, and, and a student came down with a request for pencils. So the the secretary was asking about the um, request form. <laughs> so they do provide that. Okay, yeah, okay, they do, and I'm I'm pretty pleased with the. The direction. The, the things the, are going. Yes. In. With um, Dr. Vitti. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems to be really moving forward and in the right direction. The The training I was at earlier was about the ACEs mm-hmm. and um, Chief Gabby was there. He's the new Detroit public school district. No. Police chief. Detroit public community school district. Mm-hmm. Chief of police. So, and they're learn they're they're gonna be infusing trauma informed care in this upcoming um, school year. So, I'm, I know I'm excited. I, I know they've been infusing the um, human sex trafficking awareness mm-hmm. within DPS schools. Shout out to Stacey Shannon Johnson. All right. Since we're shouting out today, <laughs> uh, <laughs> shout out to my old school rapper. <laughs> That's not what Myers. We graduated. <laughs> you are so funny. But you know, I'm thinking just... about that. Myers. I was at. I was at Redford. Um, I was in the tenth grade. Mm-hmm. We had moved, so I grew up Detroit and Pontiac. Okay. So I started fifth grade in Pontiac, and I moved back to Detroit in tenth grade. Mm-hmm. And I attended Mumford and then Redford. But during that time, I was um, impacted by trauma. Didn't even know it, though. And I was acting out. So I was doing everything I thought I was big and bad enough to do. So much where my mother ran away from home. At 15 years old. You were clowning. <laughs> right. She says. And she now you're a clown. Huh? That's what she <laughs> got rest her heart. But she used to say, um, you've been clowning all your life. You might as well get paid for it. But, um, yeah, we. she ran away. I came home. Well, she had taken me to school because I got kicked out of school again. And she had said to me, I'm not. The, the previous time I got kicked out, she said, I'm not taking off work for your foolishness. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to need you to handle your business. So I got kicked out again but didn't tell her because I handled my business and got myself back in. But this last time I got kicked out, I got jumped. So I had to tell my mama, like, oh, no, they jumped on me. It's not my fault. You got to come. But when she got there, I seemed to have forgotten that I had changed all of my Fs on my report card to Bs. (laughs) And when the principal opened up the file and he showed her my actual grades, my mother cried. In the principal's office. And it broke my heart. Mm. And I said, you know, I'm really putting this woman through some stuff. And when I got home from school, um, because my punishment was always 
I couldn't go to work. Mm-hmm. I used to work at this store, the Omni Trade Center. I don't know if you remember. Mm-hmm. It. I remember Omni Trade Center. Remember those T-shirts with mm-hmm. the rhinestones, mm-hmm. all that. I was doing that at 13, 14, 15. And so that was my punishment. I could not go to work. And so when I came home, I said, so, Ma, do I go to work today? And she looked at me. She's like, really? Now you want to ask what to do? She said, you've been doing whatever you want to do. Do it. I don't care. And when I went to work and I came home, her stuff was gone. And she left. That was December 12, 1986. I'll never forget that day. And I didn't hear from my mother until March 9th, the next year. Who did you live with? So for the first month, my brother and I stayed at the house because it was around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. I made everybody in the family their Christmas gifts at the store. Mm-hmm. We told our relatives that my mother was out of town because at the time she was a corporate trainer. So she flew all over any, all the time anyway. And so we stayed there, um, he and I, until the beginning of January. We got into a fight and I was going to cut him. And he was going to shoot me. And I ran out of the house and I called my grandfather and I told him what happened. And my brother ended up living with my aunt and uncle. I ended up living, going down south to live with my grandmother. While I was down there, I found out I I was pregnant. How old were you? Fifteen. Okay. Um. I said, I can't be a mama. I don't have a mama. So I did what I thought I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up living with my aunt. Came back to Detroit because in, De- in Mississippi, I my grandmother would have had to, to be my guardian, to get me in school. She would have had to report my mother and father. Um, and then if they had gotten stopped or caught, they would have been arrested for abandonment mm-hmm. and they didn't want to do that. So I ended up coming back to Detroit to live with my aunt and at my aunt's house, God rest her soul. I didn't have to do anything except for keep my room clean and my dishes done. That's it. I didn't have to go to school if I didn't want to. And I didn't. And I skipped and I skipped until finally I got my report card and it said all F's and that. All F's was different than the no, other all F's yes. because, you know, at that when I had all F's before, oh, my mama's here, you know, but this all F's was like, hey, girl, nobody cares. So you better care. And right after that, mm-hmm. Les Brown came to our school for an assembly. And I'm telling you, that man preached to me. He and ignited something. He ignited him. something in me, and I decided then, you know what? I'm gonna do this. My mother used to call that the light switch. Mm. The light switch went off and went on, went on inside of you. It did, and mm-hmm. I finally said, you know what, girl? Nobody cares, so you better care. Get your stuff together and do what you need to do. So I was a senior at Redford High School with a one to eight, mm. eight classes, no break, no lunch, no nothing. But I was determined to do what I needed to do. But before that, I almost got kicked out of school because I was in a hall without a pass. And this was at Redford. The experience I talked about before was at Mumford. Mm -hmm. So I'm at Redford. And um, 
you know, if you're in the hall without your ID, mm-hmm. they grab it. It's they, a violation. Right. And okay. then you get kicked out of school. I was not on no other stuff this time. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. going to get my homework. And so I got my ID got pulled and I went to the attendance officer and I said, please don't kick me out of school because I know I need my mom and my daddy to get me back in. And I don't know where neither one of them are. Mm-hmm. And I begged this man. I cried. I said, I'll stay after every day until I graduate. Just don't kick me out. Please. This man kicked me out. I went from his office to Dr. David Sneed. Y'all remember him? Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember him. He was um, at CAS and, and I think a superintendent. He was a mm-hmm. superintendent. He was a mm-hmm. superintendent. He was at CAS. He left Rufford and went to CAS. That must have been after I left Michigan. And so I went to his office and I cussed up a storm. He had no idea what I was talking about. But I knew that I was not going to be be able to get back in school unless I had a parent. Did you get back in? Yes. Yes. But what I what did I do? I had to find my father at a crack house. I went and got him, took him to my aunt's house, said, "Get yourself together and take me to school." The only reason I don't, I think I did not get expelled mm-hmm. is because my dad was a. Alpha and Dr. Steen was an alpha. Okay. And they shook hands and told me to go in the hallway. Okay. And I was able to go back to school. But so many of our children don't have that. No. They don't have caring adults in their lives. They don't have people. And so I talk about Auntie Susie. That was her name. Auntie Susie didn't care if I went to school. But Auntie Susie cared about everybody. That's where I learned how to love people for who they are. That had to hurt, though. No. No, because anybody could come to her home. She always was, you know, an open house. Um, she, she We used to always tease and say it was like a restaurant. So, like, on Sunday, if you wanted chicken and he wanted beef and she wanted pork chops, Auntie Susie's cooking that for everybody. But she didn't care if you went to school. She didn't care. She didn't. So you had to learn to care for yourself. I did. I know um <clears throat> I know we're coming together next week. Can you can you share what something that parents should be looking for in their children <sighs> to see if you know to to show that their children are suffering from a some type of trauma that they may not truly be aware of? Because I know all kids need someone to talk to, and a lot of times it's not the parents. Right. That's funny you said that. I I had a traumatic experience earlier today with my daughter. Mm -hmm. She just completed her first year at University of Michigan, Go Blue. Yes, okay. And she found out that one of her friends is not coming back. And it was, it really made her sad. And when she told me yesterday, I was just like, oh, oh, I'm sorry about that. But, you know, but that thing held on to her all day yesterday and then this morning. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And then this morning, she and I talked about it, and it, it was a blow up. So when you say that, <laughs> I'm not really sure. I know if they're withdrawn, if they're, you know, um, acting different other than they would normally act, then mm-hmm. those are signs to look for. You know, um, another time my son was at school, so he loved going to school, mm. but then he stopped 
every day when he came home, he was, no school tomorrow, mama. And I'm like, no, baby, you going to school. No school. You know what I mean? Every day. So and you knew something I knew happening. something was going on. And I went. I snuck up in the school mm-hmm. one day. And I saw something horrible that I will not even repeat. Okay. Don't repeat it. Okay. But, <laughs> but immediately I got on the phone and called the district and said, well, no. First, I went to the principal's office and they told me she wasn't available. I said, no, she's here. I've seen her. Mm-hmm. She has guests. But before she gets a call from the district, she needs to find me. Because right after that, I went to call the district. Mm-hmm. And they took care of my son. They they moved him from that classroom back to the classroom that he was in. So a lot of parents do have to take an active role. And one thing, um, like, like, like Don was saying, if your children are withdrawn, if your children are not talking to you, and they normally do, you know, if you see changes in the patterns of things that they normally love and they no longer love it, don't think that is something that's going to pass because kids today are different than who we were as kids. They have more pressures on them than we ever had Mm -hmm. on us. Mm -hmm. And I know that in the inner city, it's, you know, the traumas that they're dealing with in school, but universally, Social media mm. is a major influencer on our, you know, our children and the bullying. You know, we didn't have to deal with cyberbullying. We didn't have to worry about being videotaped instead of being helped. Mm-hmm. We were helped. Right. If somebody right. was fighting or whatever, you know, people tried to break up the right. fight. Now everybody wants to stand back and, and video it, you know, so. We really have to pay attention. I know I'm a mother of a 17-year-old, and there are times to where she feels as if I'm not hearing her, but I do. But there are times my responses Mm. are not the responses that she's looking (laughs) for. So she has those those gloves, those gloves of people. Mm-hmm. who she can go and talk to. Mm-hmm. I like to find um, younger people who have common sense, <laughs> who's going to provide good um, good advice, mm-hmm. good counsel. I, when you were talking, I thought about yeah. one of my very best friends mm-hmm. shared with me that at 15, she just stopped taking showers. She just stopped. And her mother would just talk about her like a dog. Instead of trying to figure out what she what she was repelling. And then she told her years late, just recently, you never asked me why. You just said, you nasty, stinky. She said, you never asked me why. She said, I was molested. I was raped. And I did not want to be clean. That was the first thing that went through my mind when you said she stopped taking showers, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're repelling something. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be attractive. You don't want, you know, anyone to to look at you and feel as if, you know, and feel as if, you know, I, I desire you. Right. 
we really have to pay attention to our kids, you know, and then the suicide rate Mm -hmm. now is so high amongst teenagers. And a lot of it is due to social media, Mm -hmm. due to us not accepting, you know, lifestyle choices and things like that. Your child is your child. You gave birth to them. The, the DNA that's inside of them, you know, it, it is your DNA. <laughs> to me, that's where a good love logical comes in. Yeah. You know, biological by nature, love logical by choice. So reach out to the love lo- your love logical community. Those of you who are in blended families and you see something within your love logical child, Don't sit back because you don't like the mother or because you don't like the father or because of this or because of that. Speak up. Mm -hmm. Advocate for that child. You're going to get nothing but love for that child, from that child, because you're going to advocate for them. I'm the type to where I could care less what a biological mother of children who are in my life, you know, if, if that person is not being a mother, then I have I have a heart, I have arms, and I have ears. You know, I've I've raised children that have that are non biologically mine. They are my love logical children. It's part of what this is. So pay attention to your kids because childhood trauma needs to be addressed in children. May I say something? Yes. As we talk about <clears throat> child children and mm-hmm. trauma, mm-hmm. I'm a believer that trauma is generational. Mm-hmm. If that child is dealing with a trauma, there's a good chance that that parent on. is dealing with a trauma. Mm-hmm. And all parents that don't see the signs in their child are not bad parents. That's right. They have unresolved trauma that they're dealing with. A lot of parents just don't know how to deal with things. They've never been taught, but they get labeled and they get branded as bad parents. And it's not that. So as we look to address trauma in children, we also have to wrap our arms around those parents. Because if you fix the trauma in the child Mm. and the parent is still traumatized, you still have a problem. You're so right. all the work that you do with that child is going to be undone because now that child is going to try to parent the parent. Yes, and that is true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that actually is a good um, ending because we only have a few minutes left here. And I know we started late. We had um, cars, well, train issues and everything. <laughs> traffic. But tra- <laughs> and she's fixing the roads. There's construction <laughs> everywhere. There's construction everywhere. But... Next week, we're going to talk about how that childhood trauma does flow into an adulthood trauma. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in order to help your children, as as you're saying, you have to help yourself. That's right. You know, and help yourself so you can be everything that your children need you to be. You know, there are parents out here living with issues and Talk to your kids about your issues. Tell mm-hmm. them you're wise. Yes. Help them get an understanding and then go to counseling together. 
But I know that we're we're at a close here tonight, and I really hope that you've gotten something out of this today because I know we talk about personal things, but we also wrap back around to some some lessons for you. And then next week, we're going to come back together, like I said, so we could talk about how childhood trauma grows into adult trauma so we can give you some tips. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Yes. And the the Clarks. <laughs> We're still going to talk about Jones. Thank, thank you both for being here, and I will see you next week.